This show is part of the Electric Agora network of podcasts. Welcome to Culture and Value. My name is Mark English. I'm seeing groupthink everywhere. It's as if the world is becoming progressively more and more stupid, with clever people often leading the way in the stupidity stakes. My response to all this is to review my own ideas, to look at them critically, to test them as best I can. At the risk of sounding a bit pretentious or even deluded, I see my main concern to be, apart from personal survival and peace of mind and family and friends, to be the pursuit of truth, of getting things right. I'm not a scientist or even a practicing scholar, but I have, we all have, the basic instincts of the scientist or the scholar to the extent that we really want to know, that we are motivated or even driven to know how things are. Of course, there's much that we can't know, both as individuals and collectively, but as individuals, at least we can avoid obvious falsehoods and stupidities. Maybe that's the best we can hope for. This involves thinking for oneself, of course, avoiding groupthink. The individual can't think everything out from scratch. You have to draw on various traditions of thought. Just as you can't be an individual without a social and cultural framework, so you need a conceptual framework in order to think or speak intelligently about anything. And this necessarily involves drawing on the thought of others. My general intellectual framework, like anybody else's, is based on the sum of my knowledge and experience and can't be easily summarised. But I'll mention what I see as the salient features. First of all, I have a broad and generally positive view of science, but also a sense of the limitations of science. I have no expertise in evolutionary biology, but I see human life very much from an evolutionary perspective. Part of my research has been focused on the social, political and economic controversies of the 1930s, and specifically on the development of European neoliberalism in the early and middle decades of the 20th century. The early European neoliberals differed amongst themselves about, about the role of government, about the extent of its role. In fact, in its original incarnation in the 1930s, as outlined, for example, by the French thinker Louis Rougier, neoliberalism was explicitly defined in opposition to the laissez-faire Manchester School. Wilhelm Rupke was a prominent and very influential neoliberal economist. Though more or less free markets were seen as playing a key, in fact a crucial role in economic life by Rougier, Rupke and their colleagues, economic life was seen merely as one aspect of social life and was not given undue prominence. Or importance. The broader social, cultural and moral framework was taken seriously, was always taken seriously by these thinkers. They were sensitive to the social and cultural realities of their time. Unlike later neoliberals like Milton Friedman and the Chicago School, who took a more one-size-fits-all internationalist approach, which I have strong reservations about. In these podcasts, I want to defend a form of individualism which takes seriously our social and cultural embeddedness. 
and as I've indicated, I'll be drawing on a wide range of sources and traditions as well as my own intuitions, which inevitably have been shaped by the ideas I've been exposed to. I recently talked about Karl Krauss and close reading and referred to a school of linguistic thought associated with a philosophical idealism. If anyone is interested, Karl Vossler, V-O-S-S-L-E-R, was the leading exponent of this now largely forgotten but once very influential school of thought. I talked about close reading as it might apply to politics and ordinary life. A close reading approach gives to weight to the feel of what is being said, to the subtleties of language and linguistic style. What does style have to do with politics, you may ask? I'm saying that style takes us beyond the merely aesthetic into the realm of the moral and the political. Close reading is supremely antagonistic to groupthink and, and to blind activism. This is, firstly, because it puts the focus on the individual, the individual speaker, the individual reader or listener. And secondly, because close reading necessarily requires a detached stance, culturally embedded, yes, but detached in a psychological sense. A close reading approach is also, by its very nature, opposed to concept-based and systematizing approaches to politics. You start off by analyzing and interpreting what is being said in real and particular situations, rather than with some arbitrary, free-floating, abstract, intellectual blueprint. Social relations, from manners to morals to politics, are simply not the sorts of things you can or should approach via purely conceptual or, scare quotes, scientific thought. I value science and intellectual life very highly, but when you are dealing with ordinary life and the deep values which sustain it, with manners, morals and politics, science has limited applicability. Crucially, it can't adjudicate between competing values or value systems. The greatest scientific and mathematical thinkers have always known this. I could list many names, but I'll just mention two here, René Descartes and Gottlob Frege. Both of these thinkers mean a lot to me. I respect them highly. Both had strong political views but neither tried to elaborate or defend a political ideology on the basis of their scientific work. Though very scientifically oriented, they both intuitively sensed and accepted the limitations of purely conceptual thought. Descartes' concerns are now largely only of historical interest, but the issues which Frege was grappling with are still very much alive I may have more to say about Frege in the future.